Good morning. Welcome to chapel today. This morning we light the lamp to remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit is present and working among us. We've all had different experiences this week, but right now we've gathered as a campus community to worship the Lord and to grow in our faith. This morning, Deb Gessinger has come ready to share her faith story with us. Deb is an assistant professor of American Sign Language here at Goshen College. She attended the American Sign Language program at Vincent's University in Indianapolis, received her BA at IUSV, and is currently working on her master's degree in curriculum design and instruction at McDaniel College. Both Deb and her husband, Mark, who happens to be visiting and sitting right over here today, are deaf and are native users of ASL. They currently reside in Napanee with their two children, Kathleen, who is in her first year at Ball State, and Dylan, who is a freshman at Northwood High School. Kathleen and Dylan are not deaf, but they've been raised as fluent bilinguals, and they can communicate effectively in both spoken English and ASL. It's an honor for us to have a native user of ASL and a core deaf community and culture member as a part of our teaching faculty here at Goshen College. You may have become accustomed to seeing um, student interpreters up front, interpreting chapel from English into American Sign Language, Today, however, Deb will be sharing her story in ASL, her native language, and an interpreter has come and will be interpreting from ASL into English. So as Deb is signing, the voice you will hear will be that of a nationally certified interpreter, sign language interpreter, as she enables all of us to hear the message Deb has come to share. This morning, you might also notice that the music is a little bit louder than normal, but we're trying to um, make the bass so that you can feel the music. As a part of deaf culture, um, that's a big way of connecting with the music, is to feel the vibrations and feel how it resonates. So I remember after I interpreted chapel, many people told me that it was beautiful that the signing, I mean, was beautiful. Today you actually get to see real beautiful signing, and you'll understand the difference possibly from what we typically, we're, we're working on our skills, but we are not quite at dev quality. So you're all, um, it's, it'll be a treat for you guys today. Please pray with me. Lord, we've come today to worship you, to hear Deb's story, and to connect it with our own. May our eyes be open to see you in a new way this morning. Amen. Good morning. Please stand and sing with us. stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now, how great, how awesome is He, together we sing. And 
All right, Deb picked out, well, that's really loud, sorry. Okay, Deb picked out a few um, pieces of scripture that she wanted me to share with you this morning. One is from Hebrews 11, and it's, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And 1 John 3, 16 through 20. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, he knows everything. Hello, everyone, and good morning. Thank you for having me here today. It's quite an honor to share with you my faith story. I know that recently we just prayed, and hearing people tend to bow their heads and close their eyes. But in contrast, the deaf person will open their eyes and look up. Um, so maybe one time you guys can maybe try that and just kind of experience what it's like in the deaf culture to pray and worship in the way that, that we do. Picture? Okay, this is my family. This is actually one of my favorite pictures that we have uh, because it's actually in the shape of a pyramid. My son, Dylan, and that's Kathleen and me, and it's actually a perfect example of the way that we really depend on my husband as a father and a, dad and a husband. So, actually, we should probably have Kathleen on top now because she's in college and everything, so, and she's really taken advantage of the funds that we have being in college, so. <laughs> this was actually taken by a deaf professional photographer. And the next picture. You're probably wondering why I'm putting a picture of our dog up there. This is Kirby. Um... And he's really a big baby. He's a big part of our family. He actually weighs 95 pounds. And he actually knows ASL, about 20 signs. So he actually has learned that much. And, you know, he doesn't sign. I don't. He can, <laughs> he can read what we're signing. He understands what we sign to him. So I'm sure that means that most of you guys could learn up at least five signs yourself. Okay, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about my background. I grew up in a Christian home, and we went to Bourbon Church of God. It's, um, it's, a, it's a church in the area, and really, my mother was actually one of nine children, so it's a, a church that we all went to. Um, it was a neighborhood church. Children I had grown up with, all of us went and attended this church. And, of course, I didn't understand everything that was going on. I just thought it was fun. I thought it was, you know, go and hang out with my cousins and my friends and just have a good time. And you're probably wondering how we communicated. And we used mainly fingerspelling and gesturing. Uh, signing wasn't a way that we would communicate with each other there at church. We had a lot of great memories there. And we would go every Sunday we were, uh, we never missed. They actually had big church bells there, and that's how we knew church was starting. They would pull the bells, and they would, we would run and get into our seats. 
So I, you know, looking back, I have fond memories of those times. And there was no interpreter there. Um, we had those pews that, you know, are set up in rows, and um, we would do a little bit of signing, but really I didn't understand what was being said because there was an interpreter there. And every Sunday when church was done, we'd actually head over to my grandmother and grandpa's house. And like I said, this was, um, it was a big gathering. This was my mother's side. And so we'd go over there for chicken, and we'd sit at tables and, and eat until, our, until we were full. And, you know, this was quite a few years ago. So um, they, were, they weren't very well off, and we actually had a restroom that we would use, and it was outside. So that kind of gives you a time frame from where I grew up in. Going to church, I was involved in VBS, Vacation Bible School, um, events, parties, things that they would put on. And we would actually go to hay rides at my parents' house. Um, those were some of the outings that we would take at church. We did a lot of group functions, church functions. Um, my father, uh, his side of the family, so that grandmother, really felt um, that I needed to know about more about church and God and what all that entailed. Um, and, you know, with her age, she would write back and forth, and she would fingerspell a little bit, and she would write in English, so it was a little bit hard to understand, but she was really trying to teach me about God and what it all meant. It's the same, you know, it's like the, we actually used the same hymnal that you guys use, so we would, you know, I'd learn and follow that, and um, really the exposure I had was very limited at that time. And even signing, it's not like it is today where we have interpreters and, and communication is much more accessible. So I went to that church growing up, and then I went to uh, a different city. It was the same type of church, same denomination. Um, it was just a di in a different location. And then the church that I grew up in on Sunday nights, I just, I don't know, I just felt I was struck by something. I didn't quite know what was going on. I just felt, I felt touched by something. I didn't understand what was going on or the emotions that were happening inside of me. And I didn't know how to, to get that across or to communicate. And I remember them talking about down and fire, but I didn't understand what that meant. And I just, I knew it was important, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't, and then they fingerspelled that it was hell, but again, I wasn't, my understanding of that wasn't very clear. And it just so happened, they had talked about it before in church, but so it just so happened that that night it was emphasized. So, you know, now, this is before when we would call and we would actually talk about it and that kind of thing. Now we have pagers and texters and we don't really use it that much, but, um, when I went to this new church in this different location, uh, the explanation was a little more clear and I could understand a little more about what it meant, that it meant, uh, you know, if I went, to, I would go to hell if I wasn't saved. And so then it had a, a little bit more of an impact on me at that time because I understood what it meant. I mean, I still wasn't, communication wasn't there the way it should have been, I guess, but I was still able to learn a little more and get a little more access to, you know, God and heaven and what that meant and, and kind of how it all worked together. So then I decided that I wanted to go ahead and be baptized. Do you have a picture of that? 
There it is. Obviously, it's an older picture. <laughs> I was 10 at that age. I was baptized August 29th of 1976, and that was when I was 10. And that was my uncle. Uh, he, was, he also went to that church, and he's actually still living right now. And behind him um, is my mother's sister, and really she looks almost identical to my mom. So we were actually baptized. Uh, do you know, it was kind of like a pit out in the country. There was just like a water pit in back, and that's kind of where I was baptized. And, you know, it wasn't like what we have now. It wasn't a clean pond or a fancy baptismal or anything like that. It was just an old farm that we went out back in the pit and got baptized. So... At that time, I really, you know, God had really touched my heart, and I knew I was saved. I grew up, um, and reading the Bible um, was very difficult. Children's Bibles were actually easier because of the pictures, and I could kind of envision what it was like, and, and it was way more visual. So children's Bible, you know, the thick ones that I'm talking about, those are ones that I, that I really enjoyed reading, and, and I would really kind of dissect the pictures and figure out what they meant. Because of English being my second language, um, the NIV or the King James, those Bibles were a little more difficult for me to read. You know, Catholic, Protestant, uh, Baptist, Lutheran churches, um, they were a little different, but I didn't notice the difference because I couldn't pick up on those, the nuances. So I actually I went to a Baptist church, and it was nice because there was signing. It was fun. Um, every Thursday, we would attend different events that, that I had the communication access to. My mother uh, really exemplified faith and what it meant. Um, my parents went through different obstacles, um, and different things that they had experienced. My mother, through those trials, would explain to me what God meant in prayer and that we needed to trust in God and, and have that faith. We had limited communication, but I, I could still see uh, what she was speaking about. Uh, my grandmother learned the ABCs and some basic gesturing so I could communicate with her. Uh, and I really treasured those times to communicate back and forth with my mother and my grandmother. I'm really thankful for the two of them, just being patient and, and willing to take that time with me. And understand, like I said, I would frequently go over to my grandmother's home. Like I said, there wasn't signing there or anything, but you know, we would pray and we would have our devotional time, and, and it, was, it was a time to be treasured. And I would pray on my own, and I would have my own devotional time. And then as my, my uh, husband's family had some issues with health and everything, and there was just, uh, you know, after I got married and had kids and, and that kind of stuff, going to church, uh, we just had some issues that came up. So I knew that God had a reason for these different obstacles and these different things that we were going through. And God had a reason, and there was a purpose behind it. And we just needed to trust him and have faith in him, that whatever we were going through, that we would be able to overcome it with him. I grew up, went to high school, went to college, got married, and went to different churches, tried different avenues. 
But the churches that I attended couldn't afford to pay the interpreter, so I didn't have that communication. Or, you know, there were some people that wanted, you know, that were there to help us because we were so pitiful. But, it, you know, we didn't need I wanted an interpreter up there um, who had an education, who was certified, a qualified interpreter. Um, or, you know, have an interpreter that was there on a consistent basis, not somebody that would show up once in a while or just someone that had just taken an ASL class or two as my interpreter. I needed somebody who was qualified. And we went through many experiences with interpreters or signers. Um, and today, it's, uh, it's actually better today. It's, it's much improved over what I went through. And some churches don't understand that they have to pay interpreters. And it's, it's a profession. It's just like a teacher or a pastor. Uh, they've, this interpreter has gone to college. They've, become, you know, they've gone through the education to become an interpreter. It's a professional job just like any other job. So, you know, it's not because they feel sorry or it's, you know, it, it doesn't go back to that, but it is a job. It's a profession that they need to be compensated for. Uh, Napanee Missionary Church is where we attend now, and I know it's a gigantic church. Uh, it's surrounded by cornfields out in the middle of nowhere. You really can't miss it over there on State Road 19. And my kids had been hounding me saying that they wanted to go there. And I had grown up in a small, tiny church in the farm country. So that type of church, this big mega church, was not something I had even considered. Uh, one of Kathleen's friends had gone to church, and, and so they had talked about it a little bit. And I knew that it was very important for our children to grow up in the church. I didn't want them to have the same experiences that my husband and I had going up. I wanted them to have full access to Christ and what that meant. So we would actually take them uh, Sunday. Well, first we started Wednesday nights. We would take them and drop them off. We would go home and come back and pick them up. And they would just be all excited about what they had learned and what um, they were experienced. And I really saw spiritual growth. And then they started to want to go on Sundays. So on Sundays, we would take them and drop them off. And we'd see tons of people going into the church. And we'd actually just drop them off and go home. Now, understand, we only live a mile from the church. So it wasn't that long of a drive. Um, but it was, I, I really felt that it was imperative that our children were in church. And Sundays, uh, once in a while, they started to want to go on Sunday nights, too. So now it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, Sunday morning. Really, it was Sunday all day. It seemed like they were at church. Um, when, when I was growing up, I attended the deaf school. So really, on Sundays, that was a day that I would travel back to the deaf school after spending the weekend with my family. So it was a little different experience. And I really encouraged my kids to go, and I wanted them to be there. Kathleen, uh, her best friend in middle school, her father actually happened to come over to our house. Um, and they are actually, a, he's one of the pastors at the church. And so we met the family, met the, you know, he is a pastor and the daughter. Um, and he had asked why we didn't attend. And I said, because there was an interpreter. And he said, well, of course we'll provide an interpreter. Well, we've heard that before. Um, but he was very adamant that he was going to have an interpreter provided for us. We thought it would be a one-time thing and not, not a consistent thing. So um, one week we went, and they, they came to us and said they had an interpreter provided. And I said, okay. Now I asked, you know, is it a qualified, certified interpreter? And the pastor assured us that it was a qualified interpreter. So we went that day to see. And I was skeptical, of course, because of my experiences. 
I went to church that first Sunday. It was a Sunday morning, and Dylan, I think he was maybe nine at the time, um, he got dressed, ready for church, and, and the whole family, we all got in the car and went to church. And he said to us, you guys are going to church? And I said, yes, we're going to go today. Wait, wait, all four of us, you, dad, me, Kathleen, all of us. And I assured him, yes, we're going to go, all four of us, to church. Wait, what, really? The four of us are going to go to church? Really? And again, I said, yes, we're going to go to church there, actually providing an interpreter. And Kathleen, she, had, she was 13, so she was a little older at that time, and she understood a little bit more about the situation. So we all went to church that day. And it was so nice. It was so nice to be able to go there as a family. And it really struck me. It really touched me. I remember just growing up how much I had missed not being able to partake completely of of churches. So uh, now they did have a deaf church that I attended, but it's different. Uh, It was, um, you know, my husband and I would go one way and the kids would go the other way. And, you know, they had different age groups and I wanted the four of us to be able to go together, to be able to sit together within the service. And, you know, at first it started, it was just every other Sunday or, or like a third, it, you know, it wasn't, it was scary. It was a scary time. I was just afraid. I didn't want to get my hopes up because I was afraid they were, you know, just teasing us with this interpreter and not being able to keep it going. So, but it was nice. And then, I mean, it was nice, but at the same time I was afraid. That the, that the interpretation would, would stop. And, you know, then it went not just once a couple days or a couple weeks out of the month, but then it came to every Sunday. I mean, they would still pull people in, and, and you know, I knew that it, it was very important for us to go, and they haven't stopped paying the interpreter since. So I really thank God for that blessing that this has continued now for a few years. And I think, oh, after a year or so, the church asked um, if I would come up and share my testimony. And I, uh, oh, I can't, can't explain to you the fear I had when they came up and asked me that, because I didn't know what I was going to share. And then they said, oh, just about your life and your background. And understand, Napanee Missionary Church is, there's like 2,000 people. It's huge. So I was going to stand up front. It was on a Sunday evening. I went and shared my testimony. Um, it wasn't. I wasn't the only one speaking that night. There were other people that were sharing their testimonies. Um, I, it's kind of what I'm doing this morning. It was just a short little snippet of my life. Um, and I went to church. And I think, like I said, there was just. Uh, I live one mile away. It's not too far. Um, but I had forgotten about. A lot of people in America aren't saved. And in the same respect, there's just a few percentage of the deaf people that are saved. And that's just because they don't have that access. But I had forgotten about that. You know, I just live one mile from the church. I have that access. I had the interpreter. Um, So that's just something I thought about that evening. And I realized, you know, at that time that there's a lot of people in America that weren't saved and, and also, a lot of deaf people that aren't saved also. And then this picture, this is Kathleen um, when she went to Juarez, Mexico. And really, I, I, when I look at this, I, I get touched because I realize that she's growing with Christ. Um, she worked, she really enjoyed her time there. She, she's gone to Canada, she's gone to Mexico, she's gone to the Dominican Republic. And last summer, uh, she went to Juarez 
they were going to go to Juarez, but they couldn't because of something that had gone on. There was, uh, she was very, very upset that she wasn't able to go again. But, and the main reason is just because it wasn't safe for them to, to to go again. I mean, there was murders going on, rapes, those type of things. So, but really her work with the, the children really changed her life. And she said, when she came back to America, she wasn't. She was more shocked than she went through the culture shock when she actually went there. She had a great time, really enjoyed herself, and it was neat to see how happy the children were. And then she would come to America, and the culture here was completely different. You know, it was. It's all about my wants and my needs, and and satisfying my immediate needs. And they they would have like simple to, simple toys that they would play with balls, string, that kind of stuff. And she, just being there and, and seeing their, their, their pleasure and their enjoyment, these just these simple, simple things really touched her. And, and there they spoke, they spoke Spanish. Um, and so that was also something different. And then she went to the Dominican Republic, and that was completely different from her experience in Mexico. So it's neat to see how she's grown and how she's changed and really maturing in her relationship with the Lord. My son is involved with small groups. She, he's playing the guitar. Uh, I, I don't know about the guitar. I'm not quite in tune with all that stuff, but, you know, he enjoys it. He's having a good time. Okay. <laughs> Kathleen um, involved, is involved in leading small groups, and it's been fun to see the four of us grow together. You know, at night, we're now having family prayer time, and my kids are always, they always sit at the table with thumbs up, and then whoever has their thumbs up the last, whoever, that's the person that's required to pray for that evening's meal. So it's just kind of a fun game that they've started. So you know, we've kind of tried to switch around that whoever puts their thumbs up first has to pray, but, you know, they're not quite in tune with those rules yet. Really, Reverend, um, Reverend Thomas Hopkins Gallaudet Oh, I think it was 1817, in the 1800s. There was a a big war going off over about beliefs and religion. Uh, And it really, in this day and age, religion isn't thought as highly as as it was in the 1800s. So Reverend uh, Gallaudet, I believe he was Catholic, and he had studied to become a reverend and a pastor, and he actually met um, Alice Cogswell, it was a deaf girl and didn't know if she, about her soul, the state of her soul, if she was saved, if she wasn't. Uh, and they went, uh, really, it's a long story. They went to France, um, brought back over here to America and set up, um, in 1817, they set up the Hartford, Connecticut School, American School for the Deaf that was first set up. And that's actually still in still running and still progress. And, and the whole point was that he was concerned for this, this little girl's soul and if she would go into heaven. And that's still running until this day. Now in the United States, um, there's about uh, 70 or so deaf schools that are up and running. But what's sad is that only 1% of deaf people in, in America are saved. Just 1%. Just 1% of all deaf people. And really, that's, that's due to language barriers, uh, their experience of oppression that they've gone through throughout their life. 
Um, there's a verse I'd like to share with you now. It's important to have faith. You have to have faith and you have to act with it. You can't just live your life just saying you have faith but without action. It has to go together. You have to trust Christ, trust God. You know, you can go into school and er, church, excuse me, and and you you guys have full access to the communication and what's being said, but it's that's not enough. There has to be an extra step. You know, it, it can't be a, a phony faith. You can't be two-faced about it. You know, you, your faith is shown in your actions and what you do. Oftentimes, hearing people will think, how does a deaf person hear God's word or hear God's voice? You guys hear with your ears, but we have we actually hear with our hearts, hence the sign that I'm signing now. It's the same type of thing. It doesn't matter if it's English or spoken or if you're hearing. Just because we don't speak or because we don't hear, we can still hear God's voice in our hearts. He can still touch us in, in different ways. So it's important to have faith. It's important to know God and hear his heart. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. We're going to sing one more song, and then Lauren will do a benediction before we go. Um, So please turn in your blue hymnal to number six here in this place.
May we leave this place feeling touched by God, reaching out to others, and remember that the Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go. Go in peace.